all, and welcome back to Dame It All to Hell. I'm Kelly Gibson, and I'm in studio with Tracy Dietz and our awesome guest, Dominique James. But we are wine tasting again today. So Tracy, tell us what we got. I'm super excited. Uh, hi, all. I'm Tracy Dietz. So excited to be back. School starts tomorrow. I'm sure everybody's super excited about that. Not for uh, my kids. Weeks <laughs> of summer left. I am... I'm so excited. Eh, it'll be good. It's good to get back on the schedule. So last week we did a Pinot Noir tasting. This week we are going to move to Cabernets because I like them big and red. <laughs> so uh, I just poured the first glass for everybody. I just want to know what everybody thinks. Take a sip. Cheers. Cheers, yeah. Oh, oh we, we, we can clink. We missed Hold it. On. Oops. That's a lot of clinking. <laughs> That was Dramatic hot. Pause. Yeah. Well, it seems good. What do you, <laughs> it's very tannic. Where do you think it's from? Does it feel big? Where do I think it's Is it it's chewy? Ch- Chile? Chewy. Chewy. Oh, the, I've never even lot. heard of chewy. But chewy? Hmm. Chewy wine? Um, where do I think it's from? I have literally no fucking idea. Um, I think it's from Chile. <laughs> do they make, I think it's from California. That feels to be the easiest answer. Okay. So do you want to know now or do you want Let's to do like... the next one? Okay. Bottom oh, Everybody's no. got to chug. I think my oh. thing was too big. Yeah. Too big. Oh, God. Oh, oh God. It gets real. We're getting broken in. Dominic. Drunken politics. I know. If you, I mean, we've just decided that the podcast works better when you got a little buzz on. Right. I right. know, right? Everyone's feeling loose. So, round okay. two. Here we um, go. Oh, my gosh. Now, I don't actually want to tell you specifically. Just a little bit less in case we want the other one. Oh, sorry. In case we can. Chug so we want the other one. Right. No, you don't have to chug it. Oh, okay. The chugging part portion is over. You don't have to chug. Okay, so you've just poured us our second one. Should we taste right. it now? Yeah. Okay, here we yeah. go. I think that... Oh, wait. I think Hold I on. like the first I one better. I think it's mixed. <laughs> In your mouth. We should have had a palate cleanser. I know. They taste... To me, they taste a lot alike. Really? Yes. Um, and I'm. this one feels uh, chewier. Yeah. It, do you think it's chewier? This one's I, fruitier to me. Fruitier. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a little chewy. It's a little like tannicky. Yeah. You like it's that very alcoholic. I bet it's got huge legs on it, actually. We, can you get legs <laughs> in, in a pint glass? <laughs> I mean, you can. All right. Tell us about them. All right. So the first one was Stag's Leap Artemis. You love that one. From That's your favorite, isn't it? Napa, yeah. California. Cali, win win. Mm. Yay. Uh, the second one is a Bordeaux. Oh, from France. From France. <laughs> it is a uh, 65% Cabernet Merlot blend. Huh. Yeah. I usually trick. At least Chateau, I usually thought Chateau I loved Bordeaux. Chateau <laughs> that's that's how we'll the French say it. Sure, that's not <laughs> Ch- Chateau Mene. I don't know. I don't. You know. I don't. Bordeaux. No. Cab yeah. grapes grown Bordeaux. Yeah. Amazing. I know. Well, thanks, Tracy Dees. Yeah. Well, cheers to that. Cheers. Woo-hoo. So now that we all have a little buzz on, we are gonna talk. We're gonna sort of dig into the original mission of this podcast today and talk about sort of specifics around sexism and sort of not that sort of lofty thirty thousand foot sexism we often talk about, which sort of exists everywhere, but some more practical examples of sexism. Mm-hmm. But first, we're gonna introduce you all to Dominique. So welcome to the show, Dominique. Hi, world. Can you Hi. tell us a little bit about you and what you do and who you are? Yeah, uh, life story. Let's the drunken life story of it. <laughs> um, so, hello, world. My name is Dominique James. I'm the founder of Politics with Purpose. So, we're a digital media and uh, training company specifically for local level candidates and causes. Obama alum, kind of check all the boxes and how I, you know, got my start in politics. But I was really inspired to start my firm 
after the 2016 election. Um, I was originally working for a digital media company, received an invite at the last minute to serve in the, in, in the administration, the Obama administration. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh. um, And it's kind of hard to say no to uh, <laughs> Barry. Um, so I was former deputy White House liaison to the EPA, had an office like right across the street from Trump Hotel. It was very <laughs> surreal. And like a lot of folks, um, and I think it's true for kind of both sides, I had to do some kind of like soul searching, did a little traveling around the world, came back to D.C., volunteered at a middle school here, and like quite frankly, some middle schoolers changed my life. And, you know, I asked this group of middle schoolers, you know, what are the first words that come to mind when you think of politics? It was all negative, like Trump, bombs, war, fighting. I was like, (laughs) oh, hell, this is going to be a really awkward day. Um, But then after that, I asked them, you know, well, what's important to you? What kind of change would you like to see in your community? And I mean, these kids just gave the most substantive answers, everything from like, I hate that our playgrounds are always dirty. I wish we had better food in the lunchroom. Um, I wish we could change our shoe policy. My family can't afford the shoes. Businesses close early in my neighborhood. They don't close early in other sides of town. I don't know why. And super cliche, but I had a light bulb moment. And you hear that all politics is local. Local, At that moment, I was like, hell, all politics really is local. And, you know, if sixth graders are picking up of this, if they're checking Facebook, God forbid, and Twitter, Mm -hmm. and they see these things happening, it's no wonder they go up to be 18, 20, and they're like, my vote doesn't count. (laughs) So um, I just really resolved to empower, like, local-level candidates' causes, give them, like, the tools, the money, the resources, et cetera, everything need to – make kind of change tangible. So that's and you what I'm have about. A, you have a sort of a second thing that you do for um, campus to co- uh, college, co- yes. campus to Congress. College to Congress. College so, to Congress. Ooh, good plug for you, Audrey. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, one of my clients, but I also consider it a passion, pro- every, I mean, with a name like Politics with Purpose, you just got to have your heart and everything. Yeah. Um, so one of my current clients is an organization, a nonprofit called College to Congress, And uh, we provide um, all-expense-paid internships for Pell Grant um, students to intern on Capitol Hill. So it's a um, kind of like no-brainer, right? There's a lot of majority of congressional internships are unpaid. Creates this natural barrier to entry for people who, you know, have the heart, the passion, the service, the talent. They can't get their foot in the door, right? Um, And so when you think about what it looks like when, you know, like the entry-level positions are filled with people who don't really represent America, it's no wonder we see some of the division in our laws, et cetera. So we're on a mission to really just make a more representative Congress. So. Shout out to you guys, collegeofcongress.com or .org, excuse me. It makes me feel so good to, like, hear stories like this. It's great. It's awesome. Yesterday I was um, in Long Island uh, to film a client, and he's an incumbent running for re-election, which gives you a little bit more space to talk about things that are more local. Exactly. And then halfway through the day, we got a roundtable discussion with 12 local high school and college kids that are interning and volunteering on his re-election campaign, specifically with the intention of gun violence prevention conversations. Mm -hmm. And so we filmed this hour and a half of them having Ooh. a conversation with the congressman about why it's important to them. And those kids are going to change a fucking world. Exactly. Like, they're, exactly. you know, they're like, I know my voice counts and we're we're the change we want to see in the world. And they were all different colors and they were from 15 to 21. And afterwards, two people came up to me, asked for my card and if I'd give them an internship. So, like, they have Woo-hoo. confidence. They have, like, passion. Yeah. It was amazing. It was such a blessing to be able to pull ourselves out away from there's so many first-time candidates this time around oh and they gosh, have to be crazy. on a different pattern of, of communications than somebody who's already there so exactly it's great do you think any of those kids lean to the right not at this table but actually one woman one girl whatever we're calling her somewhere between girl and woman young woman mm-hmm. said to me you know i used to go to school and think that because i was really 
she was a progressive Democrat. I couldn't be friends with the kids in my school that came from Republican families, but we're all coming together to talk about gun violence prevention. It's the first time that I feel like Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about if they're a Democrat or Republican. Like, we have to work together to make change because nobody in Washington's doing it. She's 17 years old. That's sad that you think that you couldn't be friends with the people that don't agree with you politically. Mm -hmm. But if your parents put on the nightly news every night and the vitriol is so fierce, like, it trickles down, I think. Well, my, my my parents, like, I, they're extremely conservative. Republican. Yeah, yeah, yeah extremely. Yeah. Way more than me. <laughs> I got uh, some in my family, too. My dad, and, too, yeah. And uh, I was, you know, I was like a Harvey Gantt liberal back in the day at UNC. You yeah. know, I volunteered for Howard Dean. Yeah, so did to, my husband. To keep it kind of like warm and fuzzy before we get boozy mm-hmm. again, um, <laughs> kind of like to your point, Tracy, like, so we're a nonpartisan organization and... Funny enough, I was in a meeting earlier today and we were sharing with someone that like applications to our organization have quadrupled in just like two years. And it's I mean, we see students from all across the country, every, you know, racial, like racial um, identity, like sexual orientation, political ideologies, et cetera. And so it's really beautiful about, you know, this organization, when we look at socioeconomic disparities, it's really, you really see represented throughout America. And um, everything we do in the organization is bipartisan, board of directors down to like our actual interns. And I mean, we had an amazing group of students this past summer, um, 13 students, one independent. And I mean, some of the best kind of friends were actually Mm -hmm. people who had different um, political beliefs. I mean, I'll say Faith from like Grove, <laughs> Kansas, town of 80 people, Ugh. BFFs with like Laura Martinez over here in Maryland. Um, and so it's really beautiful to see that coming together. And when you look at kind of the demand to like enter a program like this, to your point, Kelly, mm-hmm. like students are hungry for change and they yeah. want like a hands on role to affect the laws. So it's, you know, up to us to kind of, you know, give them the platforms, tools, resources, et cetera, to kind of go out and make that change because they got to live with all the crap we're yeah. coming there's up a with. Bunch, <laughs> there's a bunch of them running start. Yeah. Another, yeah. It's, so, it's awesome. Yeah. So, Tracy, why don't you tell us about this article you sent around, the Bustle article? Okay. So, Bustle did uh, an article, 11 Instances of Everyday Sexism Women Experience Without Realizing It. And we're not going to go through everyone point by point. We're just going to pick out a couple. Um, I don't know if, if you had any Yeah. So, I think Dominique, to... pick, Dominique picked a couple that she... She felt, and I, I have some too. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you want to start. Um, I mean, shout out to all the powerful women in my life. But I <laughs> hated the um, kind of myth or of like the aggressive woman. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just because you, you know, have like you know exactly what you want in the world, you articulate articulate yourself well. You're not afraid to like organize things. It doesn't make you aggressive. It just means you have your shit together and you know how to move people to make change. I think women are probably better at that than like yeah. men in general. So that was one that I've seen. You know, women I look up to in the industry, even now running my own firm, sitting here in the room with y'all, like dealing with, oh, she's assertive, or you know, she's aggressive. She's this. She's that. She's mean. She's like, no, I just know what I want. Have either of you ever been called aggressive? Oh yeah. Which is funny about me because I feel like it's the thing that I'm always feeling like I need to be more of. Mm-hmm. Like, as I do think I, I think a defense mechanism for me is passivity and and making sure that everyone's happy in the room because I feel like if I can make everyone happy, then yeah. I can get what I want. Second step, but more and more, the older I get, 
and the more of my own clients I get and the more sort of space I take up and own, I find myself being like, I can just start with that. Like, I don't yeah. have to start by making everybody happy in the room. So I don't know that I've actually ever been referred to as aggressive. Not in a, not in, most certainly not within a company that I've ever worked for. Not that I know of. But only I, behind your back. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know that I've ever experienced that. But mm-hmm. And my statement is not saying that it doesn't happen. I'm 100% certain it happens. But I don't know that it's it's happened to me, which is odd because I am a crazy motherfucker (laughs) that goes around screaming and yelling a lot. If you think in life, though, like if you're set out to own a business, like whatever it is, like you need to be aggressive in chasing those goals. So like it's kind of like it's a standard thing. And I mean, subconsciously, I just think that like you're not going to trust anyone that's just kind of like flimsy, flying in the wind. They don't know who, what, when, where, why, how. So, like, it's good to have that clarity and know exactly where you want to take someone. One of mine, which you're not going to be surprised about, Tracy, because we've talked about it a lot in here, which is 100% tied to the aggressive thing, is smiling. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. I have such a fucking problem with it. Tracy doesn't have as much of a problem with it as I do. And... What was the thing we it's talked about where, I mean, Hi- people told Hillary to smile all the time. So we talked about a lot of, about it a lot in context of her campaign. But I think if you don't, so if you smile, you walk into a room, hi, I'm Kelly Gibson, Hamburger Gibson Creative. So, okay, nice so to you, see you don't have to raise your voice 17 octaves and be like silly about it. I mean, you can just walk hi, and be pleasant. I'm hi, I'm yeah, Kelly, I'm Kelly Gibson. Exactly. Big smile. So good. Exactly. You don't have to be big. You just have to be pleasant. But just be if, pleasant. But if you walk in a room and you got... If you got something to get you need to get the fuck done and you're in a group of people that either already work for you or have already hired you or whatever mm-hmm. it is can't you just come and be like let's get down to business we have a lot of things exactly. to accomplish so that's not a first meeting no no that's, no but i think yeah. i have to i have to come in with a cheery attitude at all meetings oh i don't yeah mm-hmm. but uh, i think you do different uh, it depends on the meeting and i get i realize you're a little bit different of an industry than, than me um but i don't i but don't i think know. if you I, don't smile People automatically assume you're a bitch or aggressive. There's to me, those are a bit synonymous. Uh, maybe. I mean, I've had to work on my resting bitch face because it is on point, <laughs> man. It is. And Kelly's like, you have to practice. You do. She's right. You have to yeah, just kind of like, like yeah, sit around and be like, into a mirror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of mine's not bitchy. Mine's yeah. just bored. <laughs> my, oh, my resting mine. face. Yeah. Is mine like, looks. Mine looks I'm evil. So fucking yeah. bored of you. Mine yeah. Looks evil. Smartest person in the room. <laughs> <laughs> not again. So uh, Tracy, what's yours? So the big one for me was the whole being mom shamed. Mm. Like, that's just, you know, I've, so my kids are, are not in the studio, but they're, they're here with us today. Like, I have literally drugged them all over the second. place today as I've been trying to get work done and do this and run errands and get, I mean, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm juggling, you know, eight different things. And so I drug them in here as well today. And I, and I think it's totally fine that we all do that and we mm-hmm. live our lives and we make it work the best we can. And I have an awesomely supportive spouse, but... Who you who right, you like, who you decide to parent with makes all the difference. I was out absolutely. last night for drinks with a woman who she's a GC in this business. She's she's been doing it longer than me. And we sat down. The first she never she decided not to go the baby's family route. Mm-hmm. First thing she said to me was, "How the fuck do you do this with those kids at home?" And I was like, first of all, I let myself off the hook on that a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. You know, I and I compartmentalize when I'm home. I give it everything I got. But when yeah. I'm working, I do not get yeah. teary or guilty about them. Mm-hmm. So that actually kind of segues a little bit into uh, number oh, 11. Oh, that was having exactly it where all. I was going. Yeah, yep. go ahead. You go. No, I, I think that myth of... Fuck you guys. I have it all. <laughs> <laughs> I win. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, just I, mean, joking. It, I mean, it's something and I... You called yourself a millennial. I'm in that like old grandma <laughs> yeah, millennial yeah, yeah. phase as yeah. well. Um, but no, it's that myth that like you have it, you have to have it all or that success has to look like a certain way. 
Um, and you know, how I've learned to live my life is like model what you want your life to look like. So what, like, it may work for you to be a, uh, you know, like a CEO and have your own firm and be a mom and do this. That doesn't necessarily have to mean what it looks like for someone else. Absolutely. And when we buy into those kind of stereotypes and myths of what having it, quote, all looks like, yeah. just have it how you want to have it. Which ties into number one, which is how women are portrayed in the media, which we talked about a couple podcasts ago. But mm-hmm. I think it's getting better. It's how we started talking about Very Cavallari two, two shows mm-hmm. ago, which is pretty funny. <laughs> I'm so but, in love um, with Jay Cutler. Yeah. <laughs> and not like in love with and him, but like he's she, so funny. So she's modeling a life where she has it all, although she sets her own hours and has lots yeah. of staff for her kids, which I think is a different reality. But Also, I, he's not taking care of the kids all the time? The, okay. Jay Cutler? Yeah. I have no fucking idea. He seems to like be taking care of the kids. I think she has help. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I read yesterday Kylie Jenner has four nannies for for one baby, which I go for it. She's worth she has she has one billion dollars. Nannies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, I think Stormy's going to be raised how Stormy and plus like Stormy's daughter's da- name is Stormy. Yeah. And Stormy yes. Daniels is about to be the reason that Donald Trump goes to prison one day. So like <laughs> I think that little Stormy, whatever that person's last name There's is, little there. Kardashian Stormy is like in good company. I mm, think that's good. I mean, but so what I was saying is like there are examples there are in the media where Trump women are always, you know, like warm, women are always done up and contouring and going to the gym yeah. and, you know, like going to work in their athleisure that costs like $200 for a pair of like it, jogging shorts. Where do you it's work, like the whole thing is like, yeah. what is happening? Right. Yeah. So, but aren't we all wanting to be like that? Like, aren't we all but wanting to work But only because the TV at- tells me that so, I want to be like that. Okay. So if the TV didn't tell you, you would just gain a hundred pounds oh, and no, never no, put on makeup. No, I mean like going to the gym fully made up in $200 pants. Oh. I would go to the gym in like oh. Target pants. Right. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah. But mm. I think that 11 and 1, like mm. that is a well-done listicle. So you never yeah. go to the gym and make up? If I go at the end of the day. Right. But if I wake exactly. up, if I yeah. go to the 5.30 a.m. spin class, do right. I put makeup no. on? Right. No. But no. Maybe, just, maybe like, they're cried my ass out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's what they're actually trying to say. Like, listen, it's totally okay to go to the gym with makeup on because you just rolled out of work. You really you do see that half glass full, don't you, Tracy Deeds? Or how waterproof is your makeup? Like... The whole point is to be sweaty and stuff. So. Yeah. Right, but when you're getting there, sure. But yeah. when you're going, you may go with makeup on. You may not have it on when you leave. But it's that's o- just an extra okay. step think, for me. Yeah. I feel like, we're really parsing details at this point. <laughs> I think I, I'm, I'm like just coming being or difficult. going. I think yeah. you're being contrarian <laughs> on purpose. It's totally fine. Yes. All right, um, we're going to take a quick bake, break and then come back with more. We're back. We're going to keep talking about sexism, and this time. It's in Tracy's camp because it's about there's like actual statistics and we, numbers to we support have it. Data. I know. And it's, data. it's very negative about the southeast Sometimes, where I grew up. Yeah. So there it is. So an article just came out. They, they just did uh, some economic research that suggests that attitudes toward a woman when she is born have a lasting impact on how much she works and earns as an adult. So if you grow up in a sexist state, you're more likely to experience sexism throughout your life. What say you? So is it is it sort of um, exploring nature and nurture? Yeah. So yeah, uh, so when you read through, there, there's a bunch of other things. They say that even, you know, the impact on the career and salary continue even if you leave the state in which you were born in. So if you're born in North Carolina and you move to New York, North Carolina is considered one of the more sexist states. Um, Sexism was most prevalent, according to this study, in the Southeast and least prevalent on the West Coast. Not surprising. I'm shocked. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Midwest varies, but yay for Ohio and you suck Indiana. Yeah. So to me, it sort of seems like 
the place and the culture of the place shape people and people create sexist environments, mm-hmm. right? So, like, yeah. I think that if you're a little girl and you're growing up in a household, in a traditional household with a stay-at-home mom and a working dad and your brother gets cars and you get Barbie and he does the garbage and you do the laundry. I'm sort of describing the house I grew up in, by the way. <laughs> and um, then you have to work hard to break out of that. Yeah. And, and either when I was a kid, my grandmother was super feminist and I was of seven grandkids I was her only granddaughter so I was really really close with her and she sort of I called her a feminist before the word existed and so I think and she I remember one of my earliest memories is a big party they threw when they changed from Republicans to Democrats when Bill Clinton was first elected to the White House and so I think that I had an example inside of a really traditional model but some of that we've talked about that some of that shit carries right on with me I do think I have to be perfect all the time I think I have to be good at everything I have to be every everything to everybody and I think those are qualities that a lot of traditional mm-hmm. girl things sort of come out of. Yeah, I think you have to unlearn a lot. So me, I'm originally from Denver, went to college in Atlanta. And I guess for more context, like Denver, I always say kind of looks like the United States. It's a predominantly white city, fairly liberal, but I went to a public school. So I had like a mix of kind of everybody there. Then I went to school, to college in Atlanta, to an HBCU, predominantly black Mm -hmm. environment. It was like culture shock for me because it was not only like Colorado to Georgia. It was like mixed environment to predominantly black environment in a major city. I'd never really been in a major city before. And then obviously in politics, hopping up and down the country, doing everything. And I think there's definitely some things I had to like unlearn. And there's a certain, I don't know if to call it like a freedom, but there's just certain kind of ways that you move through the world that I definitely think shape career paths, beliefs, associations, all of those things. Atlanta's a really interesting um, example, though, because Georgia at large probably falls more into the, the sexist culture. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Atlanta itself obviously has grown and grown and grown over the last decade, like but always people. been really big. Yeah. I was just there end of last week. I'm doing a couple of races there. And it is amazing how you can have these little pockets of progressive progressivisms in well, major cities. Salt Lake and Utah that. is the same yeah. thing. Yeah. But it doesn't surprise me that your culture follows you. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I grew up uh, in a household where my mother uh, believed that, I don't want to say that men were stupid, but that women were clearly superior to men mm. and that women could do anything. Like my mom would fix the VCR. My mom would hang doors. Like my mom would do many of the traditional things yeah. that would have been considered, uh, you know, the gender roles of yeah. men. Not that women can't hang doors, not that women can't fix VCRs, but in the South, Women cooked and cleaned, and men did the heavy. Like held the stuff. house together. They right, held life right. together. My mom was like, "Fuck it, I can do anything a man can do." But you also have this really weird dynamic there because your mom was the one that got you involved in pageants, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. you've we, we've obviously gone yeah. back and forth a lot about pageants. I don't know that. So she, no, my mom didn't get me involved. I actually, I wanted to do pageants. So, mm-hmm. like, your friends or something? Like, how did you? I, I wanted to dance. Yeah. I love dance, and I wanted to compete and dance, and so and it you sort were, of spiraled. You've always been really, really pretty, so that helps. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Not yeah. always, but thank but, you. Um, I'm a pa- former pageant girl myself. Are you I really? really? I can <gasps> really, yeah. We're here. Are you <laughs> serious? I mean, it doesn't surprise me, but. <laughs> I don't think Dominique's heard the plan that um, Tracy's going to train me to compete for Mrs. Maryland. Hey. Yeah. Right? Let's go <laughs> It's going to be it. super fun. I myself am not it. a pageant girl. Yeah. But, so the question is, so say you grew up in the Southeast and, so, and then you move to a progressive city somewhere and you have kids yourself. 
I wonder how that chain continues so, if the culture – because you bring somebody – obviously, you, you carry your shit forever. And mm-hmm. you pass all your shit to your kids, whether or not yeah. you try not to, or you are who you yeah. are when you're raising those kids. So one of the other things in the study also said that if you grew up in a sexist state, mm-hmm. that even if you moved out of that state, you had kids, you married and had children far earlier than women that didn't. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. married earlier, you had kids earlier. Yeah. Um, I think I, I feel I mean, like I had kids early, but I think I only had them early for cities and not. How old were you? I had my first when I was 29. Mm. Oh, that's Ma- not that young. Married, I mean, that's young married at city. 26. Yeah, I guess. I, I had met my first. 25, 26. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Met Caleb when I was 23. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so you, uh, a younger parents obviously haven't lived a, in a life that was filled with these other experiences mm-hmm. like dynamics working with bosses or colleagues or mm-hmm. interviewing or pitching or whatever it is to find a place where you you own your voice. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, imagine you're in an environment where all of your friends are going off to college. They're getting business yeah. degrees or law degrees yeah. or they're becoming doctors or, or they're taking that path. And mm-hmm. then imagine that all of your friends are getting married, having babies. Exactly. Staying at home. So I think part of it also is is that, and that's something else the study says, is if you are – if you get married early and you're hanging out with women that came from sexist states that are also getting married mm. early and having kids, then you're more likely to yeah, – Have you heard the, the culture of it, yeah. This whole post-feminism thing? Post – I thought we're in the middle. Of the, <laughs> I don't post, know what stage of feminism we're in. Yeah. I think it changes all the time. Yeah. But post-feminism meaning it's just as good a choice to – have babies young and stay home as it is to go off. And it should that, be just that, as good of a choice. That, yeah. that those women can own feminism right. also. Yeah. And I think that's just like the kind of culture that we're in, like this culture shift. And if you think of like a lot of these standards and norms and laws and like how life looked like at that time, it's completely different than the options and freedoms that we have now, right? Yeah. Like I, I think of my sister-in-law. She, you know, was on track to be, you know, working in, had the like education-based career had her first kid, and she's like, meh, I don't want to go back to work. And now she's built a whole career on, as a, quote, stay-at-home mom, but, like, she's making money. So even understanding what it looks like to have a career in certain ways, like, looks completely different. We had a guest that we were talking about. One person is called, oh, um, house spouse, and the other one is, um, oh, there was, like, another way. So that women didn't have to say they were stay-at-home moms. Like, that there was another moniker that you I mean, they say stay-at-home dads. I don't understand why there's such a thing. It was Nikki's point that, Somebody said, what oh. do you do for a living? And you had to, you felt like you answered stay-at-home mom, mom, that there was a stigma attached to it. Yeah. So there's just like another way of saying the same thing that could throw people so off. So my mom always but, said she was a domestic engineer. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Mom needs to write a life class. Right. But I, life class. so I'm going to be the turd in the punch bowl and take, just at least challenge the concept that not going to college even though you found the person you love and you wanted to have your family early and staying at home to raise your kids when your husband goes off to make money, I don't identify feminism with that. Why? That it's, was her choice. Yeah. It's her, her choice. Her choice, for sure. Her so, choice. So you, but it's not questioning gender norms. It's not pushing. It's not. But that's not what feminism is. What, feminism is about being equal to men. In that case. But to me, that doesn't to me, that doesn't feel Equal to and I and it's probably it would each, only each be to their, not, each each family obviously probably has yeah. their own dynamic. It would only be not equal if she didn't get to make the choice. <laughs> and then that goes back. I don't know that I agree. Yeah, to like that, like having it all, and you know, something I've kind of learned is to just like own 
Like you don't need to buy into like these concepts of like validation again of what society or other people think you need and have. And, you know, I think it's just as worthy, valid, like it's your choice to like, mm, you know, what? I want to stay home, find a way to make money at home. Now, hell, there you can make money doing anything right in our society want to be a social and like focus on your kids and that was what was real for my sister-in-law she was like i just don't want another woman or person to raise my kid i want to be able to spend as much time with them and groom them the way that i see fit yeah harder to stay home i think far harder i think i um i i go i go way 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 back and forth on it the the statement you just said i don't want another person raising my kid i want to groom them i that gets my hackles up Mm -hmm. because I think my kids will be just as good as as that. Not mm-hmm. your sister in law, but just but that's a personal, name that person. That's a personal, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a personal but choice. I, what I'm saying is like it's the mommy shaming thing we were talking yeah. about. You can shame from all angles. Yeah. You can shame mommies that stay home. You can shame mommies that work. You can shame mommies that whatever. You can do it in all ways. You know what we never talk? Dad shaming. Ever. Never. They they actually kind of do a little bit on this terrible show called uh Caillou. <laughs> yeah. Oh or no, was it Caillou? He's the little Canadian Caillou. kid who's such a wimp. From yes, PBS. yes, and they've yeah. always got the dad being yeah, a total yeah, yeah. idiot They're in all, all of wimps. the episodes. Yeah. The dad can't do anything <laughs> right. The dad Caleb can't do anything right. Why is Caillou uh, crying again? Caillou, uh, yeah. stop crying. Yeah. I have to check yeah. out the show. Oh, it's uh, terrible. It's for children. I mean, uh, don't watch it. Fine, but not there no, yet. no, <laughs> don't watch it. But I do I'm think in the that mini it's mouse phase with my <laughs> All I know right is that we should not judge women based off of the choices they make that they feel that are the best for them. To say that a woman isn't a feminist because she chooses to stay home. I think is unfair. I think so, yeah. too. I think so, too. I mean, I'm in a safe space, just... spa- safe space, just <laughs> yeah. like saying that I think I really struggle. I think yeah. that do I think it would be better if as many men stayed home as women? Hundred percent. But why? Do I, because equality. So that there wouldn't be just mom shaming so that moms wouldn't have to. If, if, there's if, always going to be mom if, shaming. If, even no, even if there's just not, as but... many dads stayed home. There wouldn't. I'm just saying if you could take the gender out of it and just say which parent is better suited for this thing instead of like you're the woman mm-hmm. and you're more likely. And I'm not saying that those, that's how those go. I'm just I, – I, I, I dream for a world. I ache for a world where every all these decisions happen yeah. at equal amounts Yeah, because th- I just think that would be so – Amazing. The United Two States snaps is, on that. Yeah. The United <laughs> States is killing it over everybody else. Yeah. So there is that. Except we're not we're not compensating anybody. All right. Well, so well, at least we're allowed like to drive conver- cars. Yeah. The conversation. And not get blown up. The conversation mm-hmm. about um, sexism will go on for as long yeah. as this podcast will. The life of this podcast. But we want it, We're going to wrap it up. But quickly, we wanted. We left one thing off the list. The listicle that Tracy did not want us to forget, which is women's orgasms matter oh. as much as men's <laughs> orgasms. I ladies. We were going to women's. <laughs> Empowerment. It is empowerment. <laughs> we went out after the podcast last week, which was a circus. We went, Tracy and I went out with a bunch of our girlfriends. It was definitely, we got kicked out. We got kicked out of a bar. Of a it was amazing. Yeah. Like Women a bunch of 20 year olds. Kicked out of bars just as <laughs> good as men. A bunch of 20 year olds came up to me and, about Tracy and said, Could you just call us if she ever gets divorced? They fell in love with her. But three of the women around the table got on their phones and ordered sex toys during the conversation because uh-huh. we got into a conversation about orgasms. And right. so on the list is that a woman's orgasm matters just as much as a man's. Yeah. And I went and home and told Caleb all about it. So one of the women, one of the women, one of the women that uh, were there was like, have you ever faked an orgasm? Or like, are you oh, currently? Yeah. And and I was like, no. <laughs> I know. You, no. And you were the only one that said No. <laughs> like what? I'm sorry. If you can't get it done, like there are plenty of tools in the house that could help. In like, the whole I don't, house. I don't, one in every drawer. There's, we've, <laughs> 
plenty of things. Like we, does not matter how drunk I am, yeah. there are tools uh, oh to Lord. help you. Tool, yeah. yeah. All, all right. Like, why well, would we not? It's a cliffhanger. We'll it's talk important. about it next it week. It is so important. <laughs> Don't fake orgasms, ladies. Come on. Stay tuned. Demand your best. The Demand sex it. toys episode <laughs> coming right. in the future. Thank you for coming into the studio, Dominique. It was fun. Yes, thank you. I hope you had fun. I, I hope you don't leave traumatized. Anyway. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening. Listen and subscribe to Dame It All to Hell on Apple Podcast Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast. See you guys next week. Bye.